0: while we're talking and here we are we're
1: live we're live talking about this bug we got a big bug on the wall today everyone it is big it's big it's it's, it's a murder hornet is no, that no, it's it's not. probably not i don't think it's, i think it's just a beetle but anyways good morning everyone welcome to daily devo with vince and Bo. i'm vince and i'm beau we're glad to see you um tuning in today Some of you may be listening to this after the fact on our bridge podcast. Some of you may be watching right now on Facebook Live. We'd like to just tune into the Facebook folks and say hi real quick. If you're watching on or if you are listening to the podcast, uh, hop over on Facebook sometime and join us, connect with us. I want to say hi to some of the people who are tuning in right now. Good morning, Dale, who's actually here in the church building right (laughs) now, painting. Thank you, Dale, for that. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Kim. Hey, Sue. Um, Dale said, "Want me to come kill it for you?" I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Thank you, little Dale. Hey, Tom. Hey, Mark. Hey, um, who else is coming in? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, we haven't done a fun introductory question on these last few. Maybe we'll bring that back next week. But uh, this whole week, we've been talking about what's. I just thought oh, of okay. one, Vince. Oh, you got one? Do it. I got one. Yeah.
0: it occurred. The bugs on the wall, you know, yeah. made me think of this. Yes. Are you what? Of it? Most terrifies you? Snakes Ooh. or mice or something else? What kind of critter? What, what do you detest?
1: What kind of critter? What freaks you, freaks out? you out? What's yours?
0: Mice. Mice? Oh, yes. Really? Yes. More than bugs? Oh. Bugs spiders, don't bother snakes. me. Spiders don't bother me. Spikes. Snakes are gross, but I can handle it. Wow. Mice. I have a childhood memory that traumatized me. What happened? Okay, you asked. So we lived in, a, in, a, in a, at a place where they didn't have garbage service, so you burned your garbage. There's an incinerator behind the house. Whoa. And it was, kind of a little, it was a rural type yeah. situation. And um, so what would happen is not all the garbage would get completely consumed by the fire. And rats would come up from wherever. Uh. There was a woods behind us and get in there and eat on the stuff when it was, you know, left unconsumed by the fire. So I was back there one time, I was about...
1: Pre-cooked it for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At seven or eight years old, you know, walking past it and I heard rustling inside. And so I picked up a rock or something and I threw it inside. And these two giant rats, okay, maybe this big, they were big, jumped out, ran over the top of the incinerator and off into the woods, just startled me it was like one of these instant things you know yeah and i took off running around to the front of the house and my heart was pounding out of my chest you know and ever since there then it's like if there's a mouse in the house i've i've removed a mouse that we've caught by a trap a couple of times but it's hard it's hard for me to do
1: yeah thanks for sharing Bo. That sounds terrifying. It
0: was terrifying. I, I I'm don't still, like mine. I'm still scarred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And and rats are bigger than people Ooh, yeah. think. Oh yeah. They are big. They are big. Um, mine is. Oh, I hate all bugs. I hate all bugs. I don't like beetles. I don't like spiders. I do not like them. If it's small, I'll kill it with a, you know, paper towel or whatever. But sometimes I'll get the vacuum cleaner with the attachment. I don't avoid want to contact. I avoid contact. That's how I, I am with mice. That's yeah. Yeah.
0: You're not gonna like next year. I just the cicadas. Heard,
1: I just heard next year is like gonna be the worst in 20 years or something.
0: Well, I don't know. I didn't see that. But every 17 years, there are thousands of them. That's
1: what I heard. There's I don't no
0: know avoiding what to do. it. You I might don't have know to. I don't know. You might have to take a sabbatical, and go off somewhere.
1: How long does it last?
0: I can't remember. A few months, a couple of months. I don't know. Oh, oh! And it is loud, man. When you hear them, there, you can just go. You step outside. It's like background sounds. They're That's, all chirping yes. thing. You know. We
1: have them. We had them in the Chicago area, but I don't think like down here. Uh-huh. Like I think it was like a mini version, based okay. on what I've heard. Like ground covered. Right? Yeah, you'll
0: see just hundreds of them sometimes. You know. <sighs>
1: I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be I'm rough. Die. Die. <laughs> I can't. I'll survive. It'll be a good opportunity to grow in courage. There you go. <laughs> Let's see some answers from some folks. Um, Sherry said alligators. <laughs> that feels just. You can,
0: you can, yeah, but you can feel pretty assured you're not going to encounter any around here. Yeah, around
1: here. <laughs> Kim Dotson, Kimberly Dotson says snakes. Okay. Uh, Paula said big spiders. I'm with you, Paula. Sue said snakes and all bugs, especially spiders. Mice are cute. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I stepped on, a, Kimberly Dotson said I stepped on a rattlesnake when I was like 13. Ooh. Uh, luckily I froze and it didn't strike me. Well. Wow. Um, Aaron will have to share this story sometime, but I think Aaron told me the story. I'm, unless I'm getting confused with something else, but I'm pretty sure when Aaron Morgan, our worship guy, was young, someone had like a snake at a zoo or something, and mm-hmm. it jumped
0: out and bit his. Oh my chest goodness! Attached to
1: his chest. Oh my
0: <laughs> goodness, that would freak you out. Yeah, that would
1: make you afraid of snakes. You still afraid of snakes? I think so. Yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, that was that nothing was just, to we do just, with. We just wasted five minutes. Right. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But thanks everybody for joining in. But. This week we've been talking about what is the biblical Christian response to what has been going on in our country. A lot has been going on. There's been a lot of tension. There's been a lot of frustration. There's been a lot of anger. I have personally felt the struggle of knowing how to respond best, most faithfully to Scripture, because passions are so high, and um, it's just a really tough situation to address. So I think today will probably be the last day where we focus the whole devotion on that, and Pastor Bo is going to kind of do it like a summary of here's how we think is maybe most biblical to think about both this issue and issues like this. I hope that's mm-hmm. a fair setup for you, but yeah. maybe, maybe a little different that. I,
0: I don't know how you know well, we'll handle this, but yeah. you know, you have to start, you just have to talk, you know, yeah. and, and it helps sometimes to clarify in the process yeah. of, of dialoguing around these subjects. But, you know, there seems to be, you know, in all, as all, as is the case in almost any issue extremes that you want to avoid. And, and you have people on both extremes that um, you can't please by whatever, however you respond, if you respond at all, there are some who say that's not what you're to be about. That's not what the church is for, to weigh in on social issues or um, these types of matters. And uh, there, there are others who, you, whatever you say or do, it's not enough, you know, we should be leading the charge. We should be out there, you know, marching and, and demonstrating and, and what is the right thing to do? Not just on this issue, but on any issue. And I would just remind us all As this is, you know, the whole situation with the death of George Floyd is horrendous. It's horrible. It's heartbreaking. Um, But on any given day or week in this country, there are other issues that are just as egregious. You know, we were talking before we came on the air that, um, you know, sex slavery is a problem in this country. A big problem. Yes. It's happening all the time. Human trafficking is a worldwide problem. And there are probably more enslaved people on the earth today than there have ever been, mm-hmm. um, partly because the population is greater than it's ever been. But it is a real issue, and we could people could make the case. Well, the church should be vocal about that and leading the the charge to put an end to this. Mm-hmm. And how do you say that that wouldn't be right? Mm-hmm. You know, there there are all kinds of injustices. But we were talking the other day, Vince, about. A similar situation that I encountered as a, as a pastor a number of years ago, back in the '90s, um, there was an element in the pro-life movement that became very radical, um, and they felt they took the position that these are these are babies that are being killed in their mother's womb, and that's a human life, and and if. It, if it was anybody else if it was someone outside the womb if it was in other circumstances there is almost no measure too extreme to, that you would be willing to take in order to protect and save that life mm-hmm.
1: and for the sake of clarity we do believe it is a baby in yes. the mother's womb yes yes we do believe that part uh, yes but we maybe absolutely. don't believe the
0: right and next uh, response it and so um So, yes, it's assuming, Okay, I, you know, I I take a pro-life position. You know, I I, I believe in the sanctity of human life, all life. And um, and there were folks that were uh, they they had a platform uh, largely on radio um, and they were advocating for demonstrations in front of abortion clinics, blocking the entrances to abortion clinics, chaining yourself to the gate so that people couldn't go in and have the abortion that was scheduled just trying to shut them down you know shut down the abortion clinics and um, and I was you know I was confronted by these folks that, that were saying why aren't you over there why aren't you leading your church in this protest and it's not something I took lightly because I understand the logic of yeah. they're really taking the lives of unborn children mm-hmm. and how could you, you could make a case for there is no measure that would be too extreme OK, and yet I wasn't willing to go over and be arrested. I wasn't. And that was some, what was happening. Folks were being arrested. they were being carted off. Um, you know, they were trespassing, other things. Um, and and I know people that were in my church that were there, not they didn't get arrested, but they were part of it. And um, there was something, though, in me that I could not embrace that approach. And so I settled that much of it as as far as the issue was concerned that I just don't feel that that's the right thing to do to, to take that approach and to, and, and to be screaming at the women that as they're walking in, don't kill your baby and, you know, things like that. I just it didn't set right with me. So I arrived at what I wouldn't do mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. with regard to the, the, the pro-life issue or the abortion issue, but I was also not satisfied with only having a position of what I wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. I had not yet answered the question, "Well, what what would I do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said what I wouldn't do, but what would I do? It was around that time a woman came to my office and she had started a a pro-life clinic or a um, pregnancy counseling ministry in uh, Ohio and she wanted to open one in Northern Kentucky And she was just looking for somebody, a church, to get behind it. And um, it was to help young ladies who were facing an unplanned pregnancy to choose life for their baby. And um, as she sat there and she talked to me and her passion for the unborn was so apparent, Mm -hmm. I thought, I have my answer. Mm -hmm. This is what I will do. I will get behind this. I'll, I'll take positive steps to seek to save and preserve lives the, of the lives of the unborn, and so we got behind that, and and out of that came a ministry that eventually became the CareNet Pregnancy Services in Northern Kentucky, and that so we've
1: partnered with ever since. That
0: we've partnered with exactly, and uh, a ministry that I love and, and support, and um, and now these many years later, we there is a long list of lives that have been first of all. Hundreds of babies have been saved from abortion. The stories of young ladies' lives transformed and changed because somebody didn't just get in their face and scream at them and say, you know, you're killing your baby. They came alongside of them and said, let us help you make a better choice. Let us walk with you. We will support you through the pregnancy. We will give you the supplies that you will need. If you choose to keep your baby, we'll provide you with diapers and car seats and a high chair and strollers. And and they developed programs, parenting programs that would help educate these young ladies and how to care for their babies. And they and they had these different classes that with each class that you completed you got X number of diapers. You know, it was kind of an incentive to stay engaged. And and through the relationships that were forged through these programs, these uh, different classes and things, these young ladies they they formed lifelong friendships with the, the staff and the volunteers of CareNet. And so today um, I can feel good about what we're doing in in facing this issue. Um,
1: we're in the middle of a fundraiser for that. And we're doing right that now. right
0: now. We're yeah. in the baby bottle campaign. We're inviting yeah. people to pick up their little plastic baby bottles, fill it with change, or write a check, or put dollar bills or $20 bills in those, bring them back before um, on or before Father's Day. Um, and so my, my point, and, and it's going down that road, Vince, is to say that in... When we're faced with injustice, sins that that are hurting other people, um, yes it's you know it's it completely within our rights as American citizens to protest to march, to demonstrate, not to destroy property, not to hurt people that's the problem that's that's exactly what we're trying to prevent. Um, But we also as believers in Jesus must look for ways, ask for God to show us life-giving solutions, positive actions that we can take, and never forgetting the fact that the, the mission of the church at its core is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel that changes hearts. It's the gospel that roots out racism. You know, when your heart is, is invaded by the Spirit of God, that's when real change can take place. And it's not to say that we shouldn't seek to bring about greater justice in our country, mm-hmm. um, and we shouldn't take positive steps to eliminate uh, the mistreatment of any group of people or any individual. Mm-hmm. But let's never lose sight of the fact that the primary mission and purpose of the church is to proclaim the gospel and make disciples and I believe the long-term effect of that will transform societies. For example, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago in a message that um, the exposure of children in the first century in the Roman Empire yeah. was commonplace. Yeah. It was legal, it was, a, it was socially acceptable. Mm. If you had a child, you didn't want that child, you took it out either to a public place or you took it out just some place in, in outside. And, and supposedly you were committing it to the fate of the gods, you know, and that's how they justified it. We're gonna put it in the hands of the gods. If the gods want this baby to live, somebody will come along and adopt it or take it up. That was commonplace. Christians began to go out and when they would encounter a baby, take it in and raise it. Not to be a slave, but to be a son or a daughter because their hearts had been so transformed. And over time, the practice of exposing children began to wane, it began to go away as the Roman Empire became influenced by the gospel. Yeah. And as Christianity became the, the most, the predominant religion. Mm-hmm. And um, there, we know from history where the, where the gospel penetrates, societies are ultimately transformed. Yeah, because of the work that takes place inside the human yeah. heart yes and so can i say one thing that yes
1: does, jump like, in there sorry i'm totally interrupting but but like as i have been thinking through some of this this week like it is our job to fight for just laws mm-hmm. to fight for the right legislation to fight for justice but at the end of the day laws can never produce love in people, mm-hmm. right? You can never make laws that will produce a loving society. Yes, it can only come mm-hmm. from people understanding the gospel the identity of Christ, etc. Yeah,
0: because at the root of every societal problem is the human heart, right? And the the, the, the solution to the to the problems of the human heart is is regeneration, yeah. new life through yeah. Christ, and so you know. I sometimes, I have in the past been uh, criticized for not being political enough and not leading the church into uh, the political arena in a mo- more overt way.
1: Probably on both sides at different times, right? <laughs> it, yeah,
0: depending on the issues, you know, And um, but I don't see that as our primary calling. You know, I I do believe that there are Christians who are specifically called into the political arena, and that's where God wants them serving. And I I applaud that. You know, being salt and light in, in the political world, we can't have enough of it. We can't have too much, you know, righteousness in all phases of society. Our job, Vince, I believe, is to, preach the gospel, make disciples, help people grow and develop in their walk and relationship with the Lord so that they're equipped to be an influence wherever they are in whatever uh, vocation and place in life um, and to be salt in life wherever they go. We talked the other day a little bit off the offline about, um, you know, when Jesus came into the world, there were any number of social issues he could have gone after.
1: Yeah, He didn't. A lot
0: of he he just—he didn't touch on the exposure of children in the Roman Empire. Yeah. He didn't lead a crusade against that.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's because he understood that the need uh, for the, the thing that would produce the greatest societal change—is mm-hmm. the individual change of the human heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Out of the overflow of the heart, yes. The mouth speaks. Yes.
0: Right. So you change the heart, and the actions change, and you change enough hearts, and societies change. Yeah.
1: I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. So feel free to say, let's save that for another one. I'll dodge it if, but, I, <laughs> yeah, if I feel the need. <laughs> we might want to save it. But like yesterday, you shared a story about how that was part of your story. Like some of your view uh, view on one particular social issue changed for yeah. you from before you were a Christian to when you were a Christian. Good point. Is that worth sharing? Yeah.
0: You know, before I came to, to the Lord, I was, I was not pro-life, I was pro-choice. Some people are shocked when they hear that. And uh, they, well, how could you never you, you, you not know that that was a baby? How could you ever take that position? How could you not care about an unborn child? Well, my heart, my mind without Christ was, I had a fairly pessimistic view of life, okay? I, I, I saw a child that was, that was conceived but would not be loved and cared for, um, Uh, I thought that that would be a tragedy. And why bring somebody into the world with the disadvantage of already being unwanted and very likely uncared for, neglected, mistreated perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so I had in my darkened mind the idea that it would be better for somebody not to be born into a negative circumstance than Mm -hmm. to have the opportunity to live in negative circumstances right. now I, I, how did my view change the amazing thing about it vince is i don't remember ever having a discussion about that issue with anybody yeah. i don't remember ever reading or really digging into that situation what i do know is that after i came to christ my pessimistic view of life changed and i came to realize that we were all created to be in relationship with our heavenly father and that every person born into this world could have that opportunity and therefore have a positive outcome with their life. If any, if, if anyone can get to know God through faith in Christ, they don't have to look at life as purely negative. My views on that topic were transformed when my heart was made new through Christ. Now, you know, I, that's not maybe everybody's experience or testimony, mm-hmm. it's my experience and my testimony, yeah. but it reinforces to me uh, the reality that Jesus in our hearts brings transformation. Mm-hmm. Regeneration of, of a darkened heart and mind, you know, can change our views on any number of subjects. And so while, it, while we don't just preach the gospel as, as, as you said, it's it's completely justifiable to seek to to bring about justice and fairness and mm-hmm. and you know f- fair treatment of all people um, but the greatest and the most lasting changes to a society will come through the transformation of the human heart which i believe comes through jesus yeah
1: come on so good so, so good. that's our
0: mission as as you know i think as a church we have to keep that for at the forefront and um, So, um, you know, we're going to touch on subjects as they arise in our society. We don't want to just stick our head in the ground and ignore problems that exist Mm -hmm. and not speak out against injustice when when it arises. But our solution to the problems as Christians, I believe, is different
1: and better. The conversion conversion and transformation of human hearts and souls,
0: right? Amen. Any thoughts to
1: no, help I th- I put think a th- cap no, on this? I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. We, we are for the gospel, and there will be times where that includes a need, just like you said, a need to speak out on mm-hmm. what is happening mm-hmm. in the culture. But at the end of the day, we are trying to point this country to mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. first and foremost, above yeah. everything. And we believe every social justice will flow out of that
0: yes and one day you know jesus is coming back he's going to rule this world in righteousness he is going to right every wrong every societal wrong the bible even says he's going to rule with a rod of iron you get out of line, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to crack you over the head. Yeah. You talk about, you know, it, it's going to be awesome because he is the only one qualified to rule and reign with absolute authority. But that's what he's going to do. And, uh, and we're going to see the world as it was intended to be yeah. with righteousness, and justice, fairness. And the Bible speaks a lot about justice. And um, many of the quotes that Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, spoke with regard to the, the racial issues um, come right out of the scriptures. Yeah, straight from the scriptures. Yes, so we, we look to that day. In the meantime, we occupy until he comes, and we commit ourselves to proclaiming the gospel, making disciples. That's our job.
1: Yeah. We pray.
0: Sure. You want to pray? I'll do that. Father, thank you for giving us, Lord, the gospel, the life-changing, life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for the sins of the world, Lord. Where would we be without you? Lord, we could never transform this world because we can't transform ourselves. But Lord, you made the way for us to have new life through you. And we do pray, Father, for peace to come to our nation. We pray for justice and fair treatment of all people to come to our nation. We pray, Lord, also for the transformation of human hearts throughout the land by coming to know of the need for you and of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which saves the human soul. Thank you, God, for your goodness and grace. Be merciful to our nation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.